This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, you'll meet Alan Langdon, President and CEO of Return It. Yes, those recycling depots. Alan is here today to talk about a new express program that's designed to make recycling even easier and faster than it already is. In our second hour today, John Carlson returns with more on Vancouver real estate and the 1% realty story. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. Well, it's officially now the summer travel season. Ben will have more on trailers in a little bit. But first, a recent survey from BC Hydro suggests more of us this year are willing to take a long drive rather than fly. It's all about the carbon footprint. And 75% of BC folks say we're concerned about the impact of air travel on the environment, which is fine. But 33% of us say pack up the car over Buy some plane tickets, which is impressive considering how big B.C. is and how long it takes to just get around our province, let alone go anywhere else. Hydro, of course, is also pushing electric cars and has lots to say about improved access to high-speed recharging station networks. Interesting, the B.C. government has just reduced its subsidies for electric car purchases, too, although the feds are still good for incentive cash. So after governments stop bribing people to buy electric, how many of us will still buy incentive-free e-vehicles? Time will tell. The B.C. government has outlined steps to require parents to provide immunization records to public health units for students enrolled in public and private schools across the province. It's a significant change. The first year will involve engaging with parents and ensuring we have a full record, says Health Minister Adrian Dix. The vast majority of families in B.C. are already in compliance and will have nothing to do in September. But measles is serious and should not be happening this day and age in B.C. We need to take extra precautions to ensure our kids are kept safe in the school environment, says the education minister. Exemptions will, of course, exist for children who cannot receive vaccinations due to medical reasons. If a parent does not want a child to receive an immunization because of philosophical reasons, they will have to go through a process to state that. The province is targeting a province-wide immunization rate of 95 percent. The catch-up program kicked off in April to immunize children who may not have been previously immunized against measles and those who may not have received both recommended doses. Well, it's only been just over a week for Operation Counterattack for summer 2019, and those road checks are operating all over B.C. The cops tell us every year 68 people in B.C. are killed by impaired drivers, and 40% of them in the summer months. So the squads of breath checkers have fanned out across the province, yup, and started handing out tickets too. Last year alone, police issued 9,100 90-day immediate roadside prohibitions and 520 criminal code convictions to impaired drivers in B.C. And ICBC reminds us, if you're hosting a celebration this summer and plan to serve alcohol, get an ICB special event permit kit for free and you can do that at icbc.com. It's also available when you apply for a lick, liquor event permit on bcliquorstores.com. And these kits include items to encourage designated drivers to stay sober and for guests to find a safe ride home. 
And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, and it's a pleasure to introduce the president and CEO of Return It. To our listeners, Alan Langdon is in studio. Alan, good afternoon. Welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Sterling. Good to be here. It's good to have you with us. Return It is a fact of life for British Columbians province-wide. How long has your organization been around, Alan? Yeah, good question. So we're just celebrating our 25th year. It okay. uh, started in 1994, um, and really we're a private entity, a not for profit corporation that operates around through 171 depots across the province. So you're a not-for-profit organization. Was that the the structure from the beginning, or was this a, a brainchild of some government department in the first place? No, it's been a non-profit from the beginning. It was really formed in a response to the government's recycling regulations. So beverage containers being part of the regulation, we needed an organization that could operate the system. And so Return It was formed. And yeah, we've been doing that successfully over 25 years and have now recycled just over 20 20 billion containers in that time. And what on an annual basis? This is, I mean, we, we're all pretty good here in British Columbia about kicking into the recycling effort. I mean, it's become a part of life. 25 years, it's yep, no surprise. Very much so, yep. well, on an annual basis, Alan, what sort of money value do we return to your depots every year? That's a good question. Well, we know it's about a billion containers. I don't know the exact cash value in terms of how much deposits people get back, but I would understand it probably in the range of 50 to 60 million a year. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and, and for some people, uh, that actually represents a living. There are those who, ha- who have d- made a, a decision in their lives that they're going to focus on this as an activity. In some ways, they help their communities. In a lot of ways, they help themselves. But either way, they're able to actually scrape out a living. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of people that um, take advantage of the network and are able to uh, leverage it for a variety of reasons. And so we've got a lot of people taking advantage of the system. And, you know, the next phase of our, you know, system and how we grow it is to try and figure out how we can get more people to continue to use the system. So what percentage of the population, Alan, just off the top of your head, would you agree with me is actively involved in recycling here in British Columbia? Yeah. Well, first of all, if you talk recycling at large, I think, you know, probably 90 percent plus the population. Okay. To return it. Depot. How many it's are actively using? Yeah, how many are actively using the return it system? We don't have um, statistics, and really, our focus is twofold. One is we think there could be more people using the system. We're never happy with a recovery rate. Good idea. But then two, we're also conscious that we've got a new generation of recyclers, so millennials that are coming on stream, and we want to make sure that we're changing the system and providing the kind of system that used to the kind of convenience they're looking for um, to try and grow our next phase of customers. Now you said you've got 170 some depots across British Columbia. How how is the organization structured? Is each of those depots an independently run business or is it an operation of a centrally run business? Yeah, so uh, virtually every one of our depots except from one is um, operated by an independent operator. Uh, Return its role is really to coordinate the activity recycling. So we pay the depots for collecting the containers. And then from there, we take the containers, consolidate them, separate them into the various material streams, and then sell them to the appropriate and markets to make sure that they can be recycled responsibly. Well, I'm glad you opened that door good and wide, Mr. Langdon, because this is a curiosity question for a lot of us people who do participate in recycling to whatever extent. What happens to all this stuff? We take back our glass and our beer cans, and and we can take back old televisions and paint cans 
cans and styrofoam and all of these other uh, products and commodities. Obviously, you do something other than warehouse them once you receive them from us. So do you partner with entrepreneurs in various areas to take these recycling things off our hands and make them into new products? Yeah, so for I'll just stick to beverage containers because that's really our core business. Okay. So for our aluminum cans, all our all our materials are sold as commodities. And so we have partners that buy them. And so for our aluminum cans, we sell them all to a uh, firm in Kentucky. We actually partner with all the deposit programs across Canada to sell them to one facility. And so all the deposit containers collected in one year across Canada will um, – Virtually, will will serve as feedstock for that one facility for two weeks. Okay, just to give you the idea of scale of facilities we're dealing with. All the plastics are actually recycled here in BC through our partner Merlin Plastics. So they've been recycling our containers for over twenty five years. And so I'm proud to say, during that time, we've never had to actually ship our plastics overseas. We've always actually been able to have them managed here in the province. And then a number of our brand owners will buy that plastic, that recycled plastic from Merlin, and it'll be reused as recycled content in new plastic bottles. Uh, Our glass is currently going to facilities in Seattle uh, where it will be turned into new wine bottles. And then finally, our juice cartons or juice boxes, uh, they'll be shipped to facilities in South Korea where the white fibers in those cartons uh, will be used for uh, tissue or toilet paper. Oh, really? In the Korean market, yeah. So, and and are there designs taking, for example, the work that they're doing in Korea with recycling drink boxes, somebody with deep pockets, presumably in, in North America, may end up going down that same road. It could be. like There's definitely some mills that are looking at that, but right now there's a surplus of fiber material, oh, okay. cardboard and paper, right. and so it isn't a priority for most people. In Korea, they've been doing this activity for a number of years, and so we've had a solid relationship with those folks, and we'll probably continue to work with them in the future. Why did, uh, just a curiosity question, I, I mentioned because I took this monster of an old television into my local return at Depot a couple of years ago. It took yep. two people just to get it into the Blinken Depot, Alan. I can't imagine. So, so it was an old Sony. It was a beautiful TV, but ah, it was huge. What happens to those when I finally unload it and turn my back and walk away? Yeah, I think for the old TVs, uh, the tubes will be a definite challenge, and so those will need to be disposed of in some sort of incinerator. Um, you do the challenge, the contamination of the of course the cathode ray tube right, is a right. challenge. The rest of the parts, the rest of the. Um, uh, TV will be broken down its constituent parts. What can be recycled will be recycled. And if there are components, you know, if you've got an old cabinet TV with wood, there may be parts of that, that just can't be recycled. And so that'll be disposed of responsibly. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we're trying to take those things apart. And what we can recycle, make sure it gets recycled. Interesting stuff. And you're right. You've been at this now for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. Obviously, obviously pretty good at it. And are you encouraged? You've got very aggressive advertising campaigns, particularly in the last two or three years with your animated drink boxes and frowning faces and all of that sort of thing. Has that proven to be effective? I think it's been really effective. I think when you look across the the province, Returnit probably has one of the highest recognition rates in terms of people not recognizing just not only these characters, but our brand. So I think people are pretty comfortable with the Returnit brand. I think they're conscious that the material they're taking back to contain, they're taking back to depots being responsible for, is being recycled responsibly. So I think, you know, we've done a really good job in trying to educate the public and reach out to them. And I think those characters have played a big role. And I think now we're focused on, okay, this, we've done a great job so far. How can we get to the next phase? How can we get a broader set of consumers to participate in the program? So Alan, my return at depot is uh, the one that's impossible to miss if you use li- low heat highway at all it's one across from ikea right there by boston pizza and i go there a couple of times a month and for the past while there's been a new sign up on the wall talking about a new feature 
uh, something about the express where ultimately or eventually I'm going to be able to come in, uh, just drop stuff off, and someone else will take care of all the details and eventually put money in my account. I like the concept. When does it start? Yeah, so actually uh, Return Express launched formally on July 1st. Oh, okay. Um, and it's really easy. And I think what you, you allude to is what we try to do is make it as convenient as possible for consumers. Sure. So they go online to our website, returna.ca, sign up for an account. Um, once they have their account, they come down to the depot, uh, have their containers in a bag. When they get to the depot, there's a little kiosk. They punch in their phone number. Um, then they, from there, they print out a label. They put a label on the bag, and then they drop it through the window. So the whole exercise should take no longer than 30, 45 seconds. And the whole idea is it's drop and go. There's no sorting. There's no lines. It's quick, easy, and simple. Is there any kind of restriction or limitation on the amount that you can drop off at any given time? No, you can drop as many bags as you want. In fact, we want people to bring down as many containers as they can. Why? And so people have had a few days, in many cases, to arrive going, oh, so what's this new thing? Even though it's been up on the wall, I've noticed it now for the past month or more. Yep. But didn't pay any attention to it because there was nothing going on. It was a preliminary watch yeah, yeah. for this coming soon. But now it's up and running. And so the the onus is then simply to get the recyclable material to the depot. And from there, if you want, you're done. You yeah. basically drop it off in some kind of container uh, yeah. with a label and, and your account number, presumably. So you're going to take a few minutes somewhere along the line and open an account. But even an open account is probably not going to take you longer than two minutes. Sure. And in the opening in this opening month of the program, if people are interested, they can uh, sign up and we'll actually send them a welcome package. So right now, if you sign up for Express, you'll get a welcome package that includes four bags, four pre-printed labels, um, as well as a, a manual explaining what the program is and how it works. From there, you can put your containers. You don't have to sort them, so they don't have to be just aluminum cans oh, right, or just right. plastic bottles. Take all your containers, glass, plastic, aluminum, put them in one bag, bring them down to the depot, punch in your... Uh, um, Punch in your phone number. It'll it'll uh, prompt the kiosk to print off a label. Put the label on the bag, and then you're good to go. And then, as soon as the amount in your account and your online account exceeds ten dollars, uh, you'll be able to um, ask us to redeem that money at any time, and we'll send it to you via email money transfer. Uh, okay. So we think it's quick, simple, no lines, no sorting. And again, it's kind of the way that people expect the world to work. I think we're all moving to uh, more of this system where you're getting your money online. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is just the latest step in that process. And you were talking moments ago, Alan, about trying to get the next generation of British Columbians into the recycling mode. Those of us who've been around for the last 25 years You doing guys are it, doing a great job. We're, we're, we're kind of locked in now. Yep, but there's a new, a new crowd coming up that's uh, suddenly out there in the workforce making money and having things to recycle. But they do things a little differently, don't yeah, they? Yeah, like I think it's just we're just conscious that millennials... Uh, in, at least in our research, the one thing they prize more than anything is convenience. And so rather than forcing them to adjust to our system, it's time for us to adjust the system to them sure. and make sure that we're providing a system that provides that level of convenience. And at the end of the day, we know that there's also other people who are maybe too busy and have too many things, especially if you've got some kids and you've got you know both parents working. It can be difficult to find time to go to the depot. So now with this new system, it's much easier, it's much more convenient, and it doesn't result in you having to spend 10, 20, 30 minutes at a depot. Literally, you're in and out in under a minute. Well, 
and that's the key. It's, it's very interesting that you would say that because we do it regularly in our place, but, you know, we, we're, we don't have any kids anymore. You got a little extra time uh, on your that's hands. That's right. So, so we, can, we, we don't have to go on yeah, Saturday absolutely. or Sunday. So, but, and we don't because yep. the lineups are prohibitive in some cases. Yep. And wouldn't it be nice to go in the middle of a Saturday because that's your really doing things day, but not have to spend 45 minutes at the recycling depot. Just drop it off and take two minutes to punch in a key and away you go. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing I do want to emphasize, uh, we do have it in most of our locations across the lower right, mainland, right. but not everywhere. Okay. So we still encourage people to go onto our website, and from there, you can go to the Express page and see what depots do have Express. So you can make sure that you're going to the closest depot to you that has Express. In your case, it works out great because sure. you've got that Express depot right there. Exactly. That might not be the case. There are a handful of depots that still don't have Express. We're still encouraging people to make sure to go on the website, look up and make sure you've got your local depot that has Express and make sure you're going to the right place. And the website address is? Is returnit.ca. Okay, returnit.ca. And uh, within seconds, you'll know uh, how close you live to yeah. a, a, a depot with the uh, Express uh, installed already. Yeah, from there you can go to the Express tab and you'll get all the information you need about the program as well as what depots are currently using Express. Can you sign up online? Absolutely. From that Express page, you can actually sign up for your online account and from there you're good to go. You can just go down to the depot and you'll be able to put in your phone number, print off a label, put it on your bag, drop and go. I do the bags. Now, you said uh, a complimentary sort of uh, welcome kit of four bags and four labels. Alan, eventually will the bags and labels, will there be a charge for those? No. So, for most of our consumers, they're buying their bags themselves. The one thing we ask is they buy transparent bags. So right. We don't want black garbage bags. Right, sure. But if it's transparent or a transparent blue bag, that's great. So we ask that consumers buy their bags and uh, and use their own bags. So if they do that, that's great. Lots of information to check out at returnit.ca. Our guest in studio is the president and CEO of Returnit, Alan Langdon. And we're back with lots more on The Express after the news. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon here on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by Alan Langdon. Mr. Langdon is president and CEO of Returnit, those recycling depots, 171 of them around British Columbia these days, Alan? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, and a very successful enterprise it is, and it's a non-profit. Now, tell us why, because if it had been a for-profit enterprise, somebody would be probably close to a billionaire by now. It's good. It's such a good idea. Yeah, it's such a great idea. I think the reason we formed as a nonprofit is we represent a range of different companies involved in selling of beverages. And I think at the end of the day, they didn't want us to be making a profit. So our role is really to facilitate the recycling of uh, beverage containers across the province and do it in the most cost-efficient manner possible. Now, let's talk about other nonprofits that take advantage of your being there. Charities. And you see, I, when we go to our depot, it's very common to see what are clearly volunteers from some kind of fundraising effort over the weekend, because we always go to Monday or Tuesday, and there's massive amounts of stuff. How do charities and other fundraisers benefit from uh, Return It? Yeah, so I think, you know, particularly to the Express system, um, it's great that it provides extra convenience to the individual to the individual consumer, but it also is uh, potentially a good thing for charities uh, and other groups that are fundraising as well. So back in the day, or maybe even today, you know, a, a bottle drive would involve people getting together and either bringing containers to a central location, going out door to door and getting them, however. Yep. Yep. But with Express, you can just say, hey, you know what? We're doing a bottle drive. If you'd like to bring containers down to us, here's our phone number. And people can take their containers down to the depot in a bag, 
punch in the phone number of the charity or say it's a local parent advisory committee or local soccer team, punch in that number, it prints a label, they put the label on the bag, and then all the containers in that bag will get credited to that group's account. So you're still able to do that bottle drive, but it takes away some of the organizational aspects. And then the charity is available or the, whatever group is available to get their money transferred to them either via a check or via uh, an email money transfer. What a clever idea, Alan, uh, because it takes the onus off that charitable organization to do all the heavy sledding. Not, not that they're not willing to do so. Volunteers are wonderful for most of those organizations. But it, to at least put some of the onus on the donor, uh, and what, what would that be? Put, punching in the key of the charity they'd like the value of their recyclables to go to. And that would take about as long as it would take to punch in your PIN number on a keypad. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, at at the end of the day, I think there's more and more challenges in doing bottle drives just to try and get people together at one time on a weekend. And so by doing this, it gives people the flexibility. They can still contribute to their charity or whatever cause it is, but they can do it in a much more flexible way on their own time. And the value of the containers is still getting credited to the group in question. So we think it's that next stage in terms of providing those groups. And certainly, you know, we want to support the charities and other groups that use um, our system as a tool for fundraising. We think it's a great way to make sure that these containers are being returned. Sure it is. And so we've wanted to make sure that Express has that feature and that groups can use it. And hopefully we're going to see more fundraising and more groups using it and, and greater benefits to charities across the province. Okay. Now, we're, we're throwing this word Express around pretty casually. <laughs> and we're, I, for one, have only learning about it for the, basically only in the last week because this new program has only been in effect since Canada Day. So we're on the first weekend after the implementation officially of Express. So take a minute, if you would be so kind, sir, to review the fundamentals of of Return It Express and why. Because this is all about getting those new recyclers, the millennials, as involved as their boomer parents. Yeah, so I think really what involved is 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 a new a new way to recycle, which is people can bring their containers down to the depot. They don't have to sort them. They can bring them in a bag. They get to the depot. They punch their phone number into a kiosk. It prints a label. They put it on the bag, and then they just drop and go. Uh, the main things they need to remember when they want to use the system is they need to sign up for an online account before. We can't transfer Transfer money into account if there's no account there. Of course, so they, have to, yeah. they have to set up an online account. But other than that, between that and making sure they bring their containers down in a transparent bag, we really take care of the rest. And we know that there's a certain component of the population, some millennials, some not, that aren't using our system right now. We want them to use our system, or we're hoping this added level of convenience will convince them to come down to the depots. And certainly for millennials, it, it may be the first time they've come down to the depot, and that's certainly something we're interested in, is getting people who haven't been to the depot to our depots and using the service. But you know, there's nothing wrong with going down to a depot because that's where you find out all the other stuff that you can get rid of, paint cans and styrofoam containers and old TV sets and all that junk that's filling up and gathering dust in the corners of your garage, you people take not all, but quite a bit of that stuff, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And we're doing a, a lot of work to try and make it more clear what's accepted in each depot. So and is that it, all on the website, by the way? The, it uh, is. very clear list of what you can and can't recycle? Yeah. So two things we're doing. One is in all our depots, we're moving to standard signage. Uh, that signage will be a return it logo along with icons for each of the products that are accepted for collection at that depot. Okay. Secondly, on our website, we'll mirror that same approach. So those similar icons and product lists will appear on our website. So if you click on that low heat depot, you'll be able to see all the different products that are accepted at that depot. And you'll see the same thing when you enter the depot. So we're trying to make it as easy and, and we're trying to reduce confusion to the greatest extent possible. Okay. And somewhere along the line, someone at Return It decided 
in addition to the Express program and uh, trying to loop in even more British Columbians into that recycle it mentality, perhaps a toy incentive might bring along a few new people or their kids, if nothing else. What's going on here? Yeah, so I think the characters we talked about before, we've been using these puppets to um, in all our advertising over the last seven years. Yes, the angry re- return it The boxes. angry ones Juice with the fuzzy boxes. eyebrows. That's, That's right. right. The eyebrows. Yeah, it. and they've been hugely popular and they've been a big part of our campaign. So what we've done now is we've created stuffy versions of the characters and people that use the Express program, as they hit certain thresholds, they'll be able to redeem uh, to have uh, basically receive one of these um, one of these a stuffy version of these uh, these characters, and as they hit and as they go through the program and hit all five thresholds, they'll be able to collect the whole five the whole set of five. So there's a set of five of these characters. Uh, they're hugely populated, and we expect that there'll be a, a huge rush to, for a number of people to try and collect all five of these uh, characters. Well, you know, it's interesting because the, the getting us to become familiar with these characters was was an exercise that cost a few dollars. You must be pleased with the impact that series has had. Yeah, I think if anything, it's really raised the profile of Return It over the last seven years. There's no doubt about it. Um, You know, in some respects, I think uh, without them, it might have been more difficult, but certainly they've been a key part in our campaigns. And so it's great to find another avenue to be able to leverage that asset to be able to um, answer. Because part of this is we've had requests over the years a number of times from the public and others to bring, you know, stuffy versions of these characters into being. And so uh, we responded to that and we wanted to tie it into our express system and give people just another incentive to recycle. Our guest in studio is the president and CEO of Return It, Alan Langdon. And Alan, I was in Ontario recently and uh, uh, noticed still, because I came from there originally, I've been in Vancouver well over 40 years, but I go back a lot. Mm -hmm. And it stuns me that the most populous province in Canada, the one with the most seats in parliament, and on and on goes the list, still throw their cans and bottles in the garbage. Ontario does not have a province-wide recycle mentality or even a program remotely similar to we have in British Columbia with Return It. You are in the business of recycling and have been for a while. What is wrong with Ontario? And I know you don't need to or want to throw spears here necessarily, but what is wrong with having a population come around to where we are and have been for so long? Yeah, I, you know, I I don't know that I could really talk about why Ontario has refused to go ahead with the deposit system. I think the important thing for us is there's only two jurisdictions in Canada that don't have one, Ontario and Manitoba. Manitoba as well, okay. Yeah, and then in the jurisdictions that do have a deposit system, I think it's proven effective in in terms of providing um, higher recycling rates for these containers. I think we're proud of the, the um, track record we have over the last 25 years of always recycling more than 75% of our containers. And we think that, you know, more and more people are going to be using deposit systems in the future. But at the end of the day, you know, for us, it's great what we've done so far, but we're really focused more on, you know, what can we do in British Columbia to make sure that more British Columbians are recycling more containers well, every year? I think in Ontario, where, where the, big, the big missing piece of the puzzle is money. Mm-hmm. In British Columbia, we recycle our stuff because we paid for it up front, and we wouldn't mind getting our own money back. Thank you very much. In Ontario, they don't they don't go there, so there's no incentive. Even though it's your own money, there's no incentive to recoup. Yeah, and I would just point out there is on the beer side oh, there yes, is a, yes, yes. There's a deposit program for the beer back, side, yes. just <laughs> not for the non-alcohol. But That's I think right. I think you know it's a combination. I think the incentives certainly work, but I think there's also a an ethos, a belief in recycling and the environment here. And I think if you know it's probably part of that is just we live. In 
in the most beautiful place. And so I think there's a real desire from everyone to try and keep it as clean and pristine as possible. And um, I think we benefit from that. Uh, certainly the incentives are one thing, but I think the other thing is people love the environment here and they're trying to do their best to make sure that it isn't littered with plastic and other things. Now you do, uh, as a, uh, just because you're a corporate entity, you do endless market research and surveys and polling and that sort of things. So when you're talking about British Columbia and our mindset, we put it on our license plate. It's beautiful, British Columbia. We care a great deal about how beautiful it is. And I think that affects our mentality just in terms of the way we treat our junk. Don't you? Yeah, well, I don't know that I call it junk. I'd probably call it a resource because a lot of this stuff has a second life. Um, but yeah, I think that when we look at the population, we think there's a huge interest in finding ways to responsibly recycle. It's For them, it's not just recycling. It's they're wanting to make sure that it's done in a responsible manner. Right. That this material is going to come back in a second life in a productive way. And really, you know, that's the goal that a lot of us are trying to pursue is how can we give these materials, how can we develop a more circular economy where we aren't just su- simply using something and throwing it away, that it's got multiple uses, that it, it gets into this circular loop where we use something and then it's recycled or reused in some other new material and comes back again. And that's really the, the goal, the objective, if you yeah, will. Yeah, and the government of Canada has kind of reinforced that mentality in the last few weeks by pronouncing an official ban on all plastics. And you've, you've Well, it's t- talked about plans for plan. It, right, has, right. it, it actually hasn't, you know, it's talked about a timeline and when it would like to theoretically institute a ban, but it hasn't talked about what materials would be captured in the ban or what that ban would look like. But definitely it's a step forward that I think everyone recognizes that plastics is a big issue. Um, I think the good news for British Columbians is that unlike other parts of the country, we've been um, recycling our plastics in a responsible manner yeah, for the last 25 earlier, years. Yeah, you mentioned this earlier, but let's, uh, let's do it again. Just, just this one little part about plastics. We are so plastics conscious these days. Yeah, absolutely. What happens to our plastic when we recycle it here? Yeah, so at least on the plastic bottles, all those plastic bottles yeah. are being recycled here those in a facility. Bottles, yeah. yeah, they're being recycled in a facility in Delta, BC. They've been doing that for 25 years. So they'll go through that process where they get melted down, they'll be flaked, and then eventually turned into little pellets. And more and more of those pellets are being sold to beverage companies so they can incorporate recycled content into the new plastic bottle. So we are developing a much more circular model for that material. Exactly. Where they, they have the they have the idea that it may be a single-use bottle, but more and more, those bottles aren't single-use. They're recycled bottles. And it may be 10% now, but there's goals of getting the recycled content upwards of 40 and 50% over the next few years. And I think that's a huge step forward. So anyone listening to us right now that is, well, perhaps on the bubble in terms of how actively they want to be a participant in the recycling process, you've made it very easy for all of us, Alan, with this new Express program. In some depots, including my own, it's been up and running for a little while. But officially, it launched just a few days ago on July 1st. And for anyone who wants to recycle but doesn't really have the kind of time necessary to go down and sort the bottles and the cans and all, you don't have to do that anymore. What you do have to do is go to returnit.ca, the official website, where there's tons of terrific information, and find and complete the form, the application form, to be accepted into the Express program because that's where the money is ultimately going to be deposited. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think it's so much an application form as you just need to basically go on, fill out a form to give us the information we need. It's pretty standard information. Really, we need your name and an email. The, no, no fear of rejection. 
exactly. involved in filling out the yeah, form. Yeah, we just, you know, at the end of the day, we need a name and an email so we know where to send the money if you're getting the money via email, money, uh, money transfer, as well as your phone number, which you can use as kind of the account number. So really, that's the basic information we need. You can probably uh, complete the form within two minutes. Sure. We'll send you a, a confirmation um, indicating that you your account's active, and then you'll be able to use it uh, shortly after. So uh, the whole sign-up process is pretty quick, and it'll be just as quick when you get down to the depot. And the only thing to remember is if you're going to join this program and return your material to the depot in bags, they have to be clear so the folks inside can see what's going on. Absolutely. Alan Langdon, thanks for this. The very best of luck with the Express program. We wish you considerable success. Okay, thanks, Sterling. Thanks for having me. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Alan Langdon, president and CEO of Return It, for a very helpful visit. It's always good news to hear about something you should do anyway, being made, well, even easier to do. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, looks at what you need to know about towing a trailer this summer. Thanks, Sterling. A BC couple were forced to leave their recreational trailer behind in Arizona after they discovered they needed to upgrade their BC license. Here's Snowbird Steve Turner. Sitting around a campfire, uh, friend Kenny said, how'd I make out taking the test for that new trailer? And I said, pardon? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Turner and his partner Kathy Backman had just purchased a new fifth-wheel trailer and called ICBC from Arizona only to find out they needed a Code 7 house trailer endorsement. It's an ICBC safety requirement for any fully loaded recreational house trailer that weighs over 4,600 kilograms. If the driver does not have the correct driver's license or driver's license endorsement, drivers could be in breach of their insurance in the event of a crash, according to ICBC. The couple decided to store their trailer in Arizona and return home to BC to upgrade their license. ICBC says to receive the correct endorsement, drivers must pass the knowledge test, practice with a learner's license, and pass the road test at ICBC. ICBC also says it's the responsibility of each individual to ensure they have the appropriate license for the vehicle they're driving and its use. Vehicle dealers are not required to provide advice on licensing requirements. However, the BC couple says when they purchased their new trailer, the insurance representative should have notified them of the upgrade. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Well, thanks, Ben. It's about time somebody notified us of those regulations regarding towing a trailer. That's important information heading into the summer of 2019. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. Now that we've passed what is statistically the busiest moving day of the year, that would be June 30th, there's a new poll out about how we feel about moving, and it appears we really don't like to move much at all. Big Steel Box has released the result of its annual Home Movers poll, and there's no doubt about it, moving is one of life's most stressful experiences. In fact, the poll found that more B.C. residents said their most stressful experience was moving home 33%, more even than starting a family at 13%, or planning a wedding at 11%. It's not surprising that it's an anxiety-inducing time, considering that a surprising 34% 
percent of British Columbians don't even start packing until a few days before the big move. And within that figure, 7% only start the night before. We're also worried about the cost of the move, with 43% saying they found the process more expensive than they expected it to be, and of even higher concern than unpredictable pricing, the idea of putting hired movers in charge of precious possessions. 37% of us said lost or broken items are biggest fear in the process, compared with the next biggest fear unpredictable pricing, 30%. Here's a pricing tip from the survey people. Understand different costs of moving options. Many long-distance moving companies will charge by weight, which is harder to estimate up front and can lead to a final bill much larger than that initial quote. To be successful, homework is required. Oh, and a very happy fifth birthday tomorrow to Steel and Oak, New Westminster's own craft brewery. Steel and Oak will be celebrating with a big party on Sunday the 7th, tomorrow in the parking lot behind the brewery from 1 to 6 with Big Day Barbecue, the Down Low Chicken Shack, Big Shucker Oyster Bar, and Ernest Ice Cream on site. 3rd Avenue at Stewartson Way in New Westminster. 4 million glasses of good beer over 5 years with product now available all over B.C. and beyond. Well done, Steel and Oak. Cheers. And that's our program for today, or this hour at least, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. We'll take a break for the news, and when we come back, John Carlson will be with us right here on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.